day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Daniel Umstead, host of the RG Radio Show, and I'm actually coming to you live out in uh, Maryland. Um, for those that uh, typically will see me inside the studio, RG Radio Studios, uh, we go over credit repair, real estate, resume writing tips, and some motivation to get you through the day. So the last time I had you guys on my show, um, we were pretty much talking about the difference between security and unsecured credit cards. And my mind was boggled because what I thought was a secure card card was actually an unsecured credit card. And what I thought was an unsecured credit card is actually a secure credit card. So to knock all that out, uh, today we're actually gonna be going over the difference between the two. So we both got an understanding. And that way you and I both can pretty much have a discussion about the difference between secured and unsecured credit cards for the future. So without further ado, um, I had went on to nav.com and it's nav.com and came across this article, actually very, very recent article, July 2nd, if you will, Ashley Swearin um, said secured versus unsecured credit card, the difference between the secured and unsecured credit card for small business. So they're still pretty much applying both the same route uh, because uh, they're both working on building up your credit. But the main question is how they're both building up your credit. So the first one uh, being is what is an unsecured credit card? So an unsecured credit card is um, issued by a financial company. So this is like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, JP Morgan, all those financial institutes essentially acting as a lender. So they're saying like, hey, your credit for where it stands right now. Uh, put you in this position to get this amount for your credit card. It is a loan. You got to pay us back. This is not something that we're giving to you for free, even though there might be millions and millions of rewards that come with it, but the amount that you're actually giving is a loan. So it allows businesses to buy goods and services without cash, and that's the same thing for, you know, uh, uh, personal consumers. It allows you to buy goods and services without paying cash. Um, in a credit card transaction, the card issuer transfers money directly to the merchant and the card holder is extended uh, a credit for this amount. So um, in addition, not only are you getting the credit card, but you're also getting a substantial credit that goes along with it, but it depends upon that usage. So if you're using your credit card, right, using that uh, balance uh, correctly, then you will actually see like, oh, okay, now I see what I was supposed to be utilizing this for. The card issuer bills the card holder, usually on a monthly basis, for all the credits extended in that period, and the cardholder must pay back the debt within a certain amount of time or be charged interest in the amount left unpaid. So if you got a $1,000 credit limit, great. But let's say you use $500 of that. So $500 of that that you are actually utilizing, that's how your interest gets tacked along, and that's how these credit card companies um, you know, do not do you a favor because they're tackling on interest on the amount that you owe back to them. So 26%, 20%, 15%, if you can find a good rate, 12%. <clears throat> and uh, there are, of course, some that are lower than that. So credit card issuers may offer credit card uh, cardholders lines of credit, which allow them to borrow money uh, via cash advance. So typically, um, you know, there are times like uh, certain small credit cards might not do that. Like I have an Indigo credit card. Getting a cash advance on that is going to be a waste of time because it's such a small amount and it's not going to do me any good in regards to me pulling the money out because the moment that I pull the money out, it's like double paying back. So 
Um, credit card issues, um, we already said that. Credit card companies set uh, borrowing limits for cardholders based on their credit history, just like what we talked about. And those with a good credit score as are granted a higher credit limit because of their proven responsibility with that. So that's why we talk about, um, you know, daily on the show in regards to building up your credit. Hey, if you're looking to get a loan, if you're looking to get that advancement to help you out with your business, this is the way to do it uh, because, you know, you're building upon your credit so that way you can get higher amounts. You know, uh, a lot of people say, and, and it really just goes with, uh, what you know and what your plan is for. A lot of people say like, oh, well, if you can't manage $1,000, then you can't manage $10,000. No, I can manage $10,000. I just can't seem to manage the $1,000 that I'm already owing back. And that goes for a lot of people, you know, once they get, because if that was the case, a lot of business owners would not be in the positions that they're at as far as exceeding in life. So understand that, um, you know, when you hear the concept like, well, people say that if I can't manage my thousand dollars, then I'm not going to be able to manage the 10,000. No, 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 no. When you're earning the money to cover uh, your expenses 10 times over, then you do a whole lot more management because in your reality, you're saying like, wait, I just made 10 times the amount that I would normally have made, or I just made 10 times the amount of my credit cards. Let me do this same practice over and over and over again. All right. Now, what is a secure credit card? Now, secure credit card is something that the financial services company that I work with um, does offer to uh, folks who are looking to build up their credit. But it's a card that's given to you, but there's a little trickery um, in regards to it. And we're going to go over that. So secure credit cards offer cardholders the same convenience of unsecured credit cards and that they're able to make purchases without using cash. However, a security part deposit backs the card. So when you're actually applying for a secured credit card, you're pretty much telling that financial institution or even me, uh, well, I shouldn't say me directly, but you're telling the financial services company that I'm working with, like, hey, here's some money. I'm working on building up my credit, but keeping this money in my pocket is doing me no good at all. I need you to find a way to make sure that this money not only uh, brings me up to where I need to be at in regards to uh, building up my credit, but also showing that I have good credit right now. How is that possible? Great. So this is how it goes, folks. Cardholders must, put, like I said, put down a cash deposit. Their credit limit is equal to this security deposit. So don't think that it's like, all right, well, if I get 200, you're going to get 200. We both get 400. So we make it out. No. If your deposit minimum is 200, then your credit card balance is going to be that 200. Now, folks, I don't want you to feel like, well, damn, there's no point in that. No, there is a point in this because you're only holding on to this for maybe five to six months to build up your credit, but it has a revolving balance. And at the end, you're getting your money right back. It's not something that, oh, it just goes flying away once you're done with it. No, you're getting your money back once you actually do put the money on it. So uh, the next round, uh, if we do, knock on wood, get another stimulus package um, instead of using that money for purchases or even, um, you know, focusing on other things that are outside of helping you build up your credit, take the, take a small amount and actually put towards, it doesn't have to be through me, but it does have to be to the point where, oh shoot, that, that's, that's real folks, that's real. I just want to let y'all know that that is real. So, um, but it has to be to the folks, it has to be to the point where uh, when you're putting the money in, 
um, that you're getting it right back. In addition, it's helping you build up your credit. It's not just something that's going to be sitting there in your pocket or you're saving up to get some new sneakers, shoes, services, what have you. No, the money that you're actually putting in onto this secure credit card is building your credit back up to where it needs to be at. All right. Um, a secured credit card lets a business with a low credit score or no credit history build credit by demonstrating responsibility and timely monthly payments. Unlike a prepaid card like a debit card, secured credit card usage is reported to the major credit bureaus, impacting the holder's business credit report. And that's even for the personal folks at home. Let's say you don't have a business, but you still are looking to get a secured credit card. By getting this and establishing this, um, you're able to build up your credit over a long period of time. So um, let's answer the question right now. Is it better to have a secured credit card or unsecured credit card? Well, altogether an unsecured credit card is preferable because of the advantages it brings, of course. The credit limits is almost always higher than a secured credit card and is not tied to collateral owned by your company. So yeah, by all means, definitely, who wanna want a card that's gonna be given to them and pretty much saying like, hey, your credit based on your credit score, you deserve a credit card of this amount. So it's like, yeah, I'll definitely take that advantage compared to with an unsecured credit card, it's, or a secured credit card, it's like, oh, well, your balance is kind of low, uh, or I'm sorry, your credit score is kind of low, so uh, what's the amount that you actually want to give us so we can make this work for everybody, you know? Um, if you aren't, if you are, blah, 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 if you are unable to attain a traditional credit card, a secure credit card provides many benefits that will help you rebuild your credit or achieve a higher credit score as long as you make your payments on time. So folks, after the six months, you know, you being consistent with your $300 balance, you might be able to, after that six months, get a better credit card because people are saying like, wow, or I should say the credit bureaus are saying, wow, this person is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing with the credit card and with their own money. You know what? Let's definitely uh, show that score uh, getting increased. Let's definitely show that the uh, usage is there and the utilization is there for them to get a higher credit score. All right, so um, going over some quick pros and cons. Uh, the pro, easy to obtain. Uh, of course, it's easy to obtain to show money. Credit reporting, credit card companies that issue these cards report activity to the credit bureaus, um, which is great. Establishes credibility. Uh, Secure Guard gives new businesses an opportunity to build credit in the company name. Uh, teaches fiscal responsibility. So yeah, ultimately we're teaching you a lesson like, hey, listen, this is your money. How are you utilizing your money? Uh, and it is refundable. So at any point in time that you say like, hey, you know what, I'm ready to close this card out. Instead of it closing out and be done with it, you're closing it out and you're getting your refund. Now, what I would recommend checking out is that once you do get signed up or looking to get signed up, you should be asking the question, hey, how long does it take to get my refund once I do close the account? And if they say six to eight weeks, two months, you know, or 90 days, you want to be aware of that before getting in. So that way you're not looking at it like, well, the six months is over with and my credit score is up to where it needs to be at. Um, I should be good to go. No, the opposite end is that it's like, okay, uh, my six months is done. How much more longer do I need to wait to actually get this money back? All right. Uh, cons, the security deposit. So with the security deposit, of course, you're utilizing your own funds. The fees that come with it. Yes, there are still fees because you got to understand you're practicing with your own money in regards to making interest payments. So when a credit bureau sees that it's like, wow, 
they're looking to make an interest payments on their own personal credit. Uh, yeah, we're going to continuously uh, build this up. And then there are no perks. And then, of course, there is uh, nothing guaranteed, you know. Um, so with anything, and this is something brand new to me as well. So even if you do, and a lot of secured credit card companies will still do this. It just might not be the right one for you. Um, but some of them are saying that, you know, it's not a guarantee that you do get approved for a secured credit card. And it's like, well, if I'm utilizing my own money, if I'm working on the objective of building my own credit, if this company doesn't help me, then definitely in a nice company. We do 100% approval rate uh, with it, but you will need to call or check in with me to see actually when, um, what you call it, to see actually when that uh, balance is available. So, um, in addition, because um, <clears throat> we're pretty much wrapping up here. Um, in addition, because uh, now, for those that don't know the uh, pros and cons of using an unsecured credit card, uh, the real quick pros, there's no deposit. Of course, it's a higher limit and then there's more attractive deals with uh, rewards as we talked about. Um, and then of course you have your own personal line of credit where you can do cash advance. And of course, ultimately you are still building credit. Now the cons, it's hard to get. It allows you to do overspending. There are fees. So Dan, you're telling me that there's fees either way. Yes, there are fees either way. Um, future impact, responsible use of the credit card when reported to the credit bureaus. All right. So folks, if you're looking to say to yourself, hey, how can I apply for a secured card, credit card? Or how can I apply for an unsecured credit card? Come talk to me, 267 702 3756. Now, before I move forward, um, I want to talk about the guests that I've had on this week um, in regards to uh, the RG radio show. I've had artists such as uh, Khalif Williams, um, who was able to talk about his uh, Christian music. I had Joel Cooper come on the show, who uh, you'll actually see later on today. Um, in regards to, uh, he does music, he does photography, and he's all at the same time, fighting Crohn's disease. Amazing, amazing individual. I have uh, Donovan McLeese, um, my man Donnie, who actually is uh, doing CMOS. I never heard of the concept before until I talked to this guy. So it's it's uh, very, very interesting. And then um, a, a slew of other guests. I've had uh, Tisha Davis talk about her uh, t-shirt and graphic and web design. I had another um, lady come on the store, actually another store, Zeta 5 Beta in the house, um, Stacia Davis, uh, come and talk about her graphic web design company. And I also had um, a soiree, et cetera, uh, the Tuesday Kelly uh, come on and talk. So be sure to check out all the interviews um, that were going on this week. You'll definitely learn something and you'll definitely gain something from it. And then, oh, uh, one of my other guests, uh, Mr. Uh, Ricardo Richard, a.k.a. Omari, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, Richard Green. You'll definitely, definitely get an opportunity uh, to see what he's talking about with his new web series on YouTube. So definitely check those out. Um, check out the RNG Radio Show on YouTube channel um, to see all those uh, past episodes. Now, uh, my next one that I wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, the five benefits. You know, uh, a lot of people say like, well, Dan, you know, do I need my license? No, 
No, you do not need your license to get into real estate. You don't need your license at all um, to conduct real estate transactions. That's both from the seller side and that's both from the buyer side, folks. There's concepts of wholesaling. There's concepts of, um, you know, referral fees as far as bird dog and getting fees for that. So please don't ever think that it's like, well, Dan, how can I break into real estate? Don't I need my license? Technically, you do not because people do it all the time. And it's something as simple as basic. You know, I have a cousin who wants to sell their home, and uh, but they are pretty much just trying to get rid of it. Oh, okay. Well, I know an investor who wants to purchase that said home, but um, they're willing to pay maybe $5,000 above it um, because they know the great value that's going to be returned to it. So cousin says, I want to sell the house for 60000 and get rid of it. I just want to be done with it. Um, you yourself say like, hey, Okay, cool. So I'll sell it for sixty-five thousand to the next high bidding investor, and the investor says, "Like, yeah, I'll pay sixty-five thousand for it." So when it comes to closing, folks, when it comes to closing, that five thousand dollar difference goes back to you. So there was no license involved. There was actually no training classes involved. There was just the simplicity of it all. Now, are there things that go along with it? Yes, by all means. But if you'd like to know more or get more details on it, give me a call. 267-702-3756. But without further ado, but Dan, I want to expand it to something more greater. I want to have my own brokerage. I want to be able to uh, get a commission. I want to be able to, uh, you know, have a team of real estate agents under me. You know, I, I want to get to a point where I'm being licensed in various states. Um, so that way I got my back. Oh, well, here's some five benefits that can help you out and give you a reason for it. So um, ultimately, the benefit of a real estate license are questionable, you know, unquestionable, as I said. As far as I'm concerned, the advantages that come with the real estate license are well worth the time, effort, and money it would cost to obtain it. So, yes and no, but uh, we're going to listen to uh, J.D. Isayajan. Uh, you can actually follow him. It is at J-D-E-S-A-J-A-J. I-A-N, and the article that he has on fortunebuilders.com is benefits of a real estate license you can't ignore. So top five benefits. Um, let's see here. So the first one is extra income. Now we already talked about the difference between the income with doing wholesaling compared to doing um, real estate, you know, but the income that you get in regards to being a realtor is that you can do both. So if, if your cousin let's go back to your cousin. If your cousin says like, no, I really, really just want to sell the house. I actually want to get the full value of it. I want to put it out on the market. I want to get it marketed out to potential buyers. I want to get it out, um, you know, in the field and open. I want to put it on the MLS, have open houses, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, Oh, you need that type of agent. So that's where that comes into play. I can't tell you how many more connections I've had. Now I will be honest with you folks, six months into real estate, I have done one rental transaction, which I'm actually still waiting for the check for, but I want to be completely open and honest with you. How many times have I made calls reaching out to folks? Well, doing the radio show, I'm doing the credit repair, um, and in addition to have a full-time job. So if you're getting into real estate, make sure that you're like, hmm, how much time am I uh, saving for myself to ensure that I'm going to make this a lucrative business? Now, I'm getting back into the swing of things as far as, because, you know, when COVID hit, it's like, what? 
oh, that means I can't do nothing, right? Because there were so many rules that came along with, um, well, you can't go outside. If you do go outside, you got to wear a mask. But if you're showing a house, you don't have to wear a mask between one to two. But once two o'clock comes around, you can stop wearing the mask. But unless it becomes two or five, then you can't wear the mask anymore. So because there were so many confusing items, I'm like, I'm just going to sit back and focus on other avenues until this gets clear. So uh, definitely see something coming from me uh, definitely within the next month or two that I will be back out there and making my grind. Uh, I think the best realtor that actually told me that and committed to that was uh, Kylie Celestine. Um, I, he's with uh, KW Philly, definitely a remarkable, remarkable agent. But I remember talking with him initially and asking him like, hey man, you know, cause uh, brothers got to stick together. I'm like, hey man, I, how good is this business? Because I don't want to be coming in here and thinking that I can't make it in. Um, he said, he's like, it's all about your time and what you put into it. And he had even said to himself, he's like, man, I just had a baby. So I've been doing this uh, part-time, but I am looking to get back in the swing of things, uh, making myself known. And I was like, okay, all right. So I stood back. I think within a month, month and a half, uh, this man was doing back-to-back -back postings, like my contract has been signed, listing is up, uh, showing pictures and stuff. So I was like, oh, he wasn't kidding. So um, he pretty much just needed to make sure the baby was asleep during those times. But th there's benefits to it. You know, there's definitely advantages to it um, in regards to the uh, commission side. But you got to put in the work. Same thing with wholesaling. You still got to put in the work. You're not going to have a bunch of cousins or relatives saying like, hey, Dan, can you sell my house? And I also don't need the full value of it. I just need an investor to come in and get this off my hands. Do you know of anybody? There are going to be some transactions that are that easy. But on the latter part, there's going to be also some transactions that you really got to fight for. So be um, on the lookout for that. Now, uh, so we have the extra income, the access to deals. So... With the access to deals, there's one deal every few months is nice, but it is not the primary reason you would get licensed. Getting a license opens doors to deals that you may have never thought of in the first place. So me being part of EXP Realty and me being hashtag EXP Proud is that we do have a referral system that allows you to, uh, what you call, let's say if you know somebody out in Houston, Texas, or you connect with somebody, because you, know, you should be on social media as a realtor anyway, but you connect with somebody and it's like, hey, um, listen, uh, you know, I, I see that you're doing real estate, but I wish you were down in Texas um, because, you know, I'm looking to get my uh, property sold. Really? So you connect them with an agent that's down there. And then that agent themselves is actually saying like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'll definitely uh, take care of them. So then you get a referral fee from them. Okay, there's other uh, benefits to it um, with EXP Realty. If I start recruiting agents, um, the money that they make, a portion of that goes to me in addition to some stocks. So there's so many benefits. And if you're looking to uh, become a realtor or interested in becoming a realtor, give me a call 267-702-3756. Um, new contacts. Now you should be already networking already. If you are a business owner of any sort, you should be making those connections because you cannot get anywhere without making a connection. Your business does not thrive upon you yourself and people just looking at you and saying like, oh, I need to give him a million dollars right now. No, uh, people are giving you money because of what you have to offer and what value you have to offer. So don't think that it's like, oh, well, uh, Dan said that all I had to do was put my face on the screen or record myself and then I'm good to go. No. 
your contacts and connections that you make help your business grow. My guests on the show help my business grow. The viewers at home help my business grow. You know, the subscribers to the YouTube channel help my business grow. So with that being said, make those new connections, make those new contacts, get yourself on LinkedIn. I swear LinkedIn needs to give me a call. Say, Dan, I heard you keep talking about us every single day on the show. Um, how can we uh, go about doing this? So uh, I want to make sure I'm actually wrapping this up because I didn't realize that it is time uh, for grass to be cut. So, oh, it's actually next door. So um, the disadvantage of a real estate license, um, there are many benefits, but the uh, main uh, disadvantage is honestly making those connections and uh, getting to where we need to so we're actually good I'm actually sick. Yeah, we're actually sick. Um, so I'll cut it off. So we're just moving in now. So just take advantage of the market, folks. Take advantage of uh, what you're going to be coming across. Take advantage of uh, how you're pretty much going to put yourself out there. And take advantage of the many, many uh, reasons to get your real estate license. You know, we talked about, um, you know, um, what is it? The commission as far as that extra income. We talked about the connections that you'll make. Uh, we also talked about the uh, new contacts. So I'll actually. So uh, apologize about that, folks. Um, <coughs> it was be nice outside, but um, definitely needed to be cut short. So um, we were talking about the five advantages in regards to, or top five benefits of being a real estate agent. Um, so the uh, list of them is simply this. You can earn extra income, um, and that's pretty much on both ends of the spectrum, but the extra income is going to be from deals that you're not expecting from. You're not going to expect that, you know, the uh, realtor that you signed on, and this is through EXP. I'm not sure about any other brokerages or um, what others have to offer, but I'm just letting you know through EXP. So the extra income, uh, one, you're getting a stocks as part of the market share um, for every house that you do sell. So that's one amazing thing. Um, you'll gain access to more deals, the more deals in regards to making those connections through social media and actually reaching out and uh, talking with folks in regards to, um, <clears throat> you know, making connections out of Los Angeles, Houston, Texas, uh, to benefit yourself in the long run. So you might think to yourself like, well, it was just a referral. Well, that referral fee definitely comes with the price. And on top of that, you you know, getting that referral through somebody who's also an EXP agent is even that much better. Um, your contact network will expand, and I was uh, going over this briefly outside um, in regards to saying, like, hey, listen, um, 
your contact network should be expanding already because as a business, you should be making those contacts. You should be um, on the uprise in regards to like, hey, how can I expand my network and how can I get my voice out and business out to a million folks that know what I'm doing? All right, uh, your business knowledge will increase. And that's just pretty much what the terminology, like, you know, you called me two years ago, definitely didn't know what even wholesaling was, let alone what a uh, contract was looking like or even a purchase agreement. Now it's like, oh, I got the basic knowledge for that. And then um, last but not least, you can earn commission. So in addition to your own um, deals that you're currently working on, maybe on an investor side, being a real estate agent, and it's like, well, damn, I can be an investor while being an agent. You got to give me a call so we can go over that, 267-702-3756. Um, and then, uh, but yes, the uh, commissions that you make through your brokerage, but the advantage that you have is that once you do become your own brokerage, all that money just goes directly towards you uh, when selling the house instead of it being split up with the brokerage. So those are the advantages. Those are the growth aspects of life. Eventually, your own and the, uh, the main focus of you being a real estate agent is so that you build your own company, is that you build your own brand to where it needs to be at. All right. Now, um, last but not least, uh, my girlfriend has been doing exceedingly well in regards to interviews that she's had with um, some apartment complexes. Now, for those folks in the Philadelphia area, if you know of anybody uh, that is in need of a, um, a leasing consultant, um, she doesn't have a license, but is in need of a leasing consultant, give me a call, 267-702-3756. She has a stellar resume, but uh, like I said, I, probably by the time that you are looking at this, you'll probably already be working up here and you'll be like, oh man, Dan, I had definitely a great opportunity for you. So no worries on that. But the other side of it all is that I wanted to um, go over um, her steps and process as far as her succeeding in regards to getting this job. So um, I, I already talked about, you know, after the interview, you should immediately send out thank you letters and that should be either via email or by all means, it should be done uh, by hand. Now, I'm not saying that you're writing it out, but I'm actually saying that you're typing it, matching the same format as your cover letter slash resume and signing it at the bottom. So that means the handwriting it out. So um, after the thank you letter, you should be following up. The, the key of the thank you letter is not so much to say like, hey, thanks so much for your time today. No, it's giving me a reason, an actual reason to follow up instead of me just saying like, hey, what's the status of my application? Or how well did I do on the interview? No, I was just calling to make sure that you receive that thank you letter. So there's some rules and trips to that, but we're going to go over those together. So I went on livecareer.com and the article is when and how to follow up after an interview. So um, I can pretty much answer this uh, app without even looking at this. So when you should be following up after an interview is honestly 48 hours. Give them 48 hours. Now, if you've got a strong sense and feeling, especially if they tell you straight to your face, hey, we'll be looking to make a decision by tomorrow afternoon. Okay, well then come tomorrow afternoon, you should be giving them a call to just checking on status because they told you that by tomorrow afternoon that you should be hearing something now. They tell you that, oh, uh, you should be hearing something by the following week. Then definitely by all means, uh, you want to do like a 48 to 72 hours to check in on the status of your application if you didn't do your uh, thank you letter. And that's merely picking up the phone or sending an email. I find it best with those 
um, if they do say like, oh, a week after, that um, you just drop a voicemail. Now, I'm not saying that you got to go on slide broadcast and actually uh, make a voicemail that immediately goes to the inbox of the scheduled time. No, I mean actually just calling first thing in the morning to their office and just leaving the voicemail there. So that's what I mean by that. Um, the other thing, uh, or the tips I should say, um, for the interview is address the person that you're emailing uh, by their first name. So there should really be no, hello, miss, or dear miss, or dear mister. No, it's, hello, Kathy. Hi, Michael. Hello, Jack. You know, and then going straight into it, because already, you've already established a formal conversation and a formal meeting. Now we're just doing a follow-up. So your follow-up is still professional, but at the same time, slightly informal because all you're doing is trying to get your point across. Hey Jack, just want to follow up on the status of my interview uh, that we had on Monday of this past week and if there was any further information needed. That's it. That's honestly it. Uh, number two, mention the job title of the role uh, by all means. So it shouldn't just be, oh hey, uh, I was on the interview this week. I just wanted to see how I went. Who are you? Who are you? Folks, we're all humans here, recruiters, employers, HR reps. So make sure that when you are following up that you are saying specifically. Now, I'm not saying you got to go into the weather of the day or the exact, exact time that you had the interview, but definitely uh, market yourself to where it's like at least the name of the position, who you met with, of course, uh, that you're addressing. And in addition, um, the uh, job title, of course, and uh, some of the duties. So you want to have that refreshing memory rather than just saying, I had an interview on Monday with you. What's the status? No, I had an interview with you on Monday, Jack, uh, regarding the leasing consultant position. Um, and I wanted to express how I feel my job duties as a leasing consultant, filing forms, showing homes virtually, especially during times like these, will be a full benefit to your company. That's honestly it, folks. And then uh, number three, confirm, of course, that you're still interested in the position. That should be a no-brainer right there. And then uh, number four, finally, ask for that update. So make sure that you are inquiring about that update. And also number five, which is not on here, when they should, when you should be hearing back from them. Now, I know we talked about the week thing. Well, Dan, if they told me a week, why am I asking again? Well, because things change when somebody actually gets a voice over the phone. And you know yourself too. When you usually put on the spot about something, either the truth comes out or a pretty good damn lie comes out. So either one of those two things happen. Now, because I've been recruiting uh, for many, many years now, I pretty much come up with some good, good lies um, or ultimately some great, great news. So uh, typically I would tell folks that, hey, uh, the vendors didn't get back to us. Um, it'll probably be another 48 to 72 hours. If I know somebody bombed the interview, I stray away from actually telling it to the face. And the reason behind it is because that I've had over and over and over again. When I do tell people like, hey, you didn't do so well in the interview and this is why, or they're saying your communication skills wasn't fit to par. Why my communication skills are amazing? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know why you gave me a call back. And it's like, see, this is why I don't even say anything. So, uh, like, I got this uh, one gentleman right now um, who had a job offer, and uh, they have warrants out for their arrest, and they were like, well, how come I can't work at that company? And I was like, well, we're still waiting on the uh, background check to come back clear, knowing for a fact that this person has um, warrants out for their arrest. So, um, the uh, guy was like, 
well, well, what should I be hearing back? Is there anything that I should be doing right now or anything that I should be following up on? You can reach out to the HR department. They should be able to give you a clear answer because the co this particular company that we work with, they run their own background check. So we have no involvement with it, but they do let us know status updates. But I find that being completely 100% truthful when it comes to somebody's background check, they want to fight it tooth and nail. So with that, I usually say, hey, go directly to the source you know, in regards to trying to figure out what's going on. So I know that really doesn't have a lot to do with, um, you know, following up, but I just wanted you to be clear in regards to somebody in my position, what they will tell you and what they won't tell you, but still tell you. All right. Um, how to follow up a second time after an interview. Now, the second time after an interview, honestly, so let's say you called after the 48 to 72 hours, but you still got a strong feeling that this should be the job for you and you still want to work here. Give it another week and honestly, just send out an email just inquiring of the status of your application. Now, if you don't have their email, by all means, you can still call and check in on the status of your application, but you should have their email because they should have emailed you some interview instructions on how to apply for the job or there should have been something in general that you can email them directly about so um but like i said folks keep it short and keep it simple the example that they gave here hi hiring manager's first name just want to follow up on my previous email uh below do you have any updates to share regarding the job title position please let me know whenever you have time if i'm still in the running for the role thank you and that's it that's it folks so there's really no actual science that this is Excuse me. It's just a matter of um, you putting yourself out there in regards to following up and making sure that you get a clear cut answer. Uh, please don't feel offended if you don't get the job, especially if the managers told you or the uh, potential coworkers had told you that it's like, oh my gosh, you'd be a great fit. Certain things always come up. Um, the uh, uh, friends of mine, uh, I was talking with her and uh, she was looking to get somebody hired on in her company, uh, but they were looking to try to get somebody hired on back in fall of last year, but the CFO came in and said no. So what you call that put a halt on it. And then come March of this year, um, they were able to hire somebody, but because of COVID and funding and spending that they had to cut it back. So folks understand and realize that it's like, hey, especially during times like these, if you don't get a no, or if I should say, if you do get a no and not get that guess, there's probably good reason, you know, uh, for it. Uh, especially during times like these. So pick yourself back up and move forward on to the uh, next job. All right, now, last but not least, I wanted to talk about um, this uh, Nassau names HQ after hidden figure, Mary Jackson, its first black woman engineer. So uh, Mary Jackson, uh, the first black woman engineer at the agency NASA announced Wednesday as leaders across the country re-examined which historical figures normalized in public spaces in the wakes of protests against police brutality and racism. She was a mathematician and she was one of the first black woman engineers to with NASA. So we salute you, uh, Queen Mary Jackson. So uh, folks, check her out. Um, look up the article. It's a great article on Forbes. And uh, above all, have a great day. Stay motivated. Find your dreams, find your goals, get out there, and get to where you need to be at in life. Stay blessed, my fellow millionaires. Have a great one. Flesh led on the beat.